This episode of Let's Think On It comes from an excerpt from O Brother Radio with Will Lockamy, Reed Lockamy, and Dr. Mark Westfall. Reed, let's welcome Dr. Mark Westfall to the show. Hey, guys. What's up, man? Of course, we have Dr. Mark on once a month. We talk about very interesting, important things. Um, usually have a guest that comes on as well. And then you can go back and find all of these segments online, wherever you find podcasts at Let's Think On It. Um, I went back recently and, and listened to a couple. I was like, oh, I'm going to go back and hear those because I don't get to pay enough attention sometimes when we're here in the studio. But let's tell everybody. What are we going to be talking about tonight? This is a serious one. Well, this one is kind of serious. Um, and this one, you know, sometimes these ideas just kind of literally fall into your hands. And this one happened to fall into my hands when the Homewood Star, the little paper in Homewood, was delivered to my office. And one of the, co- the cover story was about a, a re- previous resident of Homewood um, who now resides in Atlanta. Um, and he uh, experienced childhood sexual trauma uh, while in Homewood. Um, and he... It's on the front page for a number of reasons, but one of reasons is that they're starting a, they've opened up a uh, art distillation or, or uh, presentation at Homewood City Hall. They do that. They use their main hall there for uh, art displays. And so this one is called the Bristlecone Project, and I'm going to let our guests tell more about it. But it's a display uh, essentially of, of men who've been uh, victims of sexual abuse, and they tell their story. And I thought, what a brave um, person to come tell their story. And also, I thought it was awesome of the Homewood Star to put that on the front page and also awesome for uh, Homewood City Hall to put it in their front hallway. Yeah. Um, you know, it's pretty, pretty good stuff. So that one, it just fell on my lap, really. So I, I saw the paper, called up uh, Jason Lee is our guest name. And uh, he said he'd love to come over. So he drove over from Atlanta. He's going to be with us tonight. Great. Um, and like I said, this is a very serious topic, and we'll be talking about things that could be uncomfortable to some people. Great point. Yeah. And so a little bit of a, of a warning for folks. If you have had trauma yourself, and actually we'll find out that that's pretty common, so we're actually not talking to just a few people out there. Right. Um, now, this know, is O Brothers. We are just talking to actually, a few people. Actually, yeah. Well, okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's see. One in four. One, so one, at so least one listener out right. there. Well, one, one person. <laughs> right, yeah. Has had this experience. But... Um, you know, if you have had traumatic experiences and don't want to hear about trauma right now, then don't listen because uh, we're going to talk about someone's story and it could be a trigger for your own trauma. But if you're out there listening, um, and uh, I encourage you, uh, uh, with that exception, to stay tuned because um, if someone is brave enough to tell a story of their trauma, we certainly should be brave enough to listen to a story. Um, and so I think what we'll learn tonight is that there are some things we can do as a community and as organizations uh, to help prevent it. And so it's not just listening for it from a, uh, you know, like driving by a car accident and want to see what's going on over there. Actually, you can take something home with you from this story and from this conversation tonight and actually have an impact on the world around you. Um, so that's a good reason to listen in. And I just want to, I was 
recently I found myself in a conversation where I was talking about this. Uh, another reason, even though this might be uncomfortable to listen to, it's important, um, reminds me, you know, I used to work in the domestic violence and sexual assault prevention field right. and went to uh, a training uh, for police officers. And there was someone from the Kansas Bureau of Investigation there doing a very long presentation about child, you know, sexual abuse and predators and whatnot. And at the end of the presentation, uh, to a room of, I don't know, a hundred police officers from our area, um, he showed with warning, uh, but showed footage of an actual assault happening with a four-year-old victim. And that, you know, was wow. alarming. You know? Yeah. And he said, people ask me, why do I show this? And he said, because if police don't see this, if people don't see it and are not aware of it, it's too easy for us to want to say, wait, there's got to be a misunderstanding or that child has to be, you know, exaggerating because no one would do what I just heard people talk about. Um, and it was very powerful. It was very moving. Obviously, I'll never forget that. Right. Um, and so it is a reason why we all need to be aware of this and talk about it because you have to hear these stories to understand you, that's a real thing. I, yeah. Totally. Yeah, so. yeah. I have to say just from psychiatry training, yeah. it's probably the, one of the things I've been the most surprised about um in my journey you know 25 years ago when i entered into psychiatry i would never have imagined hearing so many people yeah. tell these stories and and it was something that you know you just didn't hear much about yeah. um and so yeah it's really it's amazingly prevalent i yeah. can't unfortunately emphasize that enough yeah. um and so yeah listen in and, and let's talk about it you know as as uh, we get started here you know one of the things i like to do as always is kind of to the basics let's define our topic sure so you know the question is what is sexual abuse and that you may, may be like a simple kind of question but really it's what is sexual abuse and so um there are a lot of different terms people hear um the terms i'll be using tonight come from the medical side um there are a lot of legal terms mm -hmm. okay that i'm not really acquainted with okay um so but from the medical side, think of it from the experience of the person uh, who has been traumatized, okay? Um, and so when you think of it that way, there's kind of three categories of sexual abuse. There's non-contact sexual abuse, and we'll talk about it in categories, and that way we can kind of think about, um, you know, without necessarily going into all the specifics. So non-contact sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. You think, well, what, what, what is that? It would be like sexual harassment or so it could be comments. Like sexual comments or harassment. Um, exposure to things exactly exposing mm -hmm. yourself to a child um exposing the child to pornography right it's a common way to help kind of desensitize them mm. okay so uh any any type of sexual inappropriate sexual exposure um but there's no touching okay so then the next category is uh sexual contact um and touching someone's sexually uh, right. when th you've not been invited or as a minor ever ever um, so and then the last category <coughs> is a sexual act mm. okay um, and so we kind of think of those those three categories all of that involves uh, sexual abuse of a child mm. um, and so we're gonna we're gonna explore that more uh, there's a lot to talk about with this and there's a lot of 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 experience to talk about there's a lot of therapy to talk about um, and our guest is brave enough to come in and, and share his story and we'll walk through um, through that with him tonight I'm looking at the website now 
um, and kind of I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm able to do this. As you know, I'm so ADD. Uh, so I'm listening and paying attention, but also reading the story. The website is 30is30.com. Is that numbers or spell numbers, out? Yeah. Numbers. 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 30is30.com. Uh, so that is Jason's website. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm telling the audience. That is Jason Lee's website, 30is30, okay. 30, meaning 30 years. Is 30. Should is be 30, 30 years. years. Mm. Yeah. Uh, boy. And if you, just to where at what point I am in this story, 30 years does not seem like enough. Right. Right. Does not seem like enough. So we'll talk about that and kind of how all this came to be and what you can do to maybe help out. Because again, um, the perpetrator here is up for parole to maybe not serve his full 30 year sentence coming up in April. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> during the break, I would urge people, if you're close to a computer, look up 30 is 30 and also look up the Bristlecone Project. Uh, online yeah mm-hmm. google that and you'll see kind of what we're talking about tonight okay so. 30is30.com that's it okay yeah. all right we're hanging out with dr mark westfall we are talking about childhood sexual abuse um and we actually have someone here in the studio who's coming from atlanta jason lee dr mark westfall read an article about you in the homewood star star, star. the homewood star there is now an installation at the homewood um city, city hall, hall an art installation that is bringing awareness about childhood sexual abuse. Is it just about male childhood? It is. Okay. Um, and you have a website, 30is30, so 30is30.com. This tells your story. It also has a very disturbing section called From the Molester's Mouth, which has video of the perpetrator giving an interview with Scott Richards from Fox 6. And then it shows that this is very important. He will be coming up for parole in April. And so there are ways that people can get involved. So we, we encourage everyone a very easy, like sign a petition way, go to 30 is 30.com. We'll mention that many more times throughout the show, but let's welcome now Jason Lee. Um, Jason, thank you for being here. This is obviously, I, I can't even imagine the, any of this, but especially you know, talking about it. Um, but let's talk about where you are right now. You're living in Atlanta. What's, what's going on with you and your life at this point? Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me here. Of course. Yeah, it's our very pleasure. Much, uh, great place. Um, so I live in Atlanta today, but when I was in Homewood, I was here from 86 until 92. Uh, went away to school, um, ended up in Atlanta, and today I'm more of a product manager in the software type industry. And so um, my mom still doesn't understand what I do. And, she, and sure. so the way I describe <laughs> it is I say, I just sit behind a desk and I tell people what to do all day. That's, so, that's a good gig. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's okay until something goes wrong and that's right. my fault. But Not uh, so good. You know, uh, that, that's kind of what I do today. But you know, I'm, uh, I'm in my middle 40s, I'm married, I have a wonderful son. Um, I've got a house, we've got a couple of cars. I've got a full-time job, you know, I, I work hard during the week. When I come home on the weekend, I've got chores around the house, uh, watch a game on TV. I'm, I'm every man. I'm, that's who I am, right? I could be anybody, but what separates me yeah. from 80% of the people who are listening right now is that I was sexually molested right. when I was a teenager. Um, what I've learned now is FBI statistics say that one in six boys before the age of 18, had some type of unwanted, unwelcome, abusive sexual experience. Right. Sexual assault, sexual molestation, uh, anything like that. And so those numbers are staggering. Yeah. um, If you think about it, you were talking about the 100 policemen earlier in the room, 15 of them statistically. Right were abused as a child and so uh, that that's what happened to me as as a past and and i think where i'm now it's been a long journey between then and now Mm. Uh, but i'm doing my best to take care of myself my family and make the world a little bit of a better place how old your son 
He's five. He's uh, a my, wonderful five. My son's five as well. Yeah. That is a fun age. Yeah. He's lost uh, his top like three or four teeth, so he speaks with a lisp. But right there now you it's go. kind of fun. My favorite. We're at that place. By I'm that age, my daughter had lost like almost all of her teeth. My son has yet to lose one. Isn't that weird how kids develop different like that? How about that? Yeah. Either way. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's go back to when you were 12-ish. Your parents split up and this guy kind of appears in your life, right? Yeah. Wait, uh, you you, yeah, you were living in Atlanta and then moved here after they split up. Is that right? Yeah. Parents uh, lived in Atlanta at the time. Uh, parents got divorced. Uh, my mom's uh, support network was here in Birmingham. And so we moved. My, I have a younger brother and the three of us moved back to Birmingham. Uh, lived in Homewood, mm-hmm. uh, and my mom did exactly what you probably would do if you're a sim- newly single parent. You have to find work. You've, you you need a support structure. So I got pretty involved in both my church and my scout uh, Boy Scout group, which met at my church. Yeah. Uh, so it was all kind of right there. That was our hub outside of home. Uh, and we were supposed to, we were surrounded by good people, uh, good institutions, uh, learn things. That's just what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, I still think those two institutions, church and scouts, are two very good places. Right. Um, however, in my personal situation, uh, there was a man named Don Corley who was involved in the youth group in church and was an assistant Boy Scout leader. Uh, and that was his feeding ground. That was where he found new boys to molest, ultimately. Right. So when I uh, got there, um, took five, six months or so, uh, he absolutely saw that I was vulnerable, mm. uh, product of a divorce, I had some time to myself in a new place. I mean, I, the, that's just the hallmark of a vulnerable child. You, yeah, it was and, yeah, target. Yeah, clearly yeah target. absolutely. I was like, it was tattooed on me. Right. <laughs> and so what, what happened was he spent uh, half a year or so grooming me, uh, really developing a relationship, earned my trust, earned my respect, earned my adoration. Uh, ended up spending more more time with him and his family. He was married, had three children, uh, and so really had this presentation of uh, stepping in to be a father figure. And so uh, at this point, you are getting into thir- 12 and a half, 13 years old, that sort I'm of... I'm going to say yes. Somewhere uh, in there. Some of those facts are a little yeah. fuzzy to me. Um, <coughs> unfortunately, one of the, the ways I chose to cope with this was yeah. I tend to put things into a black hole never to come to them again so there's been some i I try to remember as as much as i can but i think i think that's somewhere in that neighborhood and that that right there is a a number of things amazingly common how people the the brain protects us Mm. by putting these memories away and that's something i think it's hard for people to understand um it's like how do you you know they'll say well how do you not remember something like that i'm like yeah well once you've seen it and it was hard for me to understand as a psychiatrist the first you know, dozen times I heard it, but then it, you start to see this is such a clear pattern. There's clearly something going on. Our brain is protecting us from some of this by trying to put it into a, this closet so we don't have to deal with it every day because each day you wake up, you have to go back to your day, your daily life. And as, as Jason has described, he had a very healthy, normal life in all other aspects. Um, and so, you know, how do you face that every day and with all these other events that are going on, you, you compartmentalize is what people do. So that's yeah, what seemingly you simple response to that question would be, why in the world would I want to remember? Like a, it's, it's to my advantage right. to work very hard right, not right. to remember that. Yeah. So up till now, we're hearing someone, I mean, very healthy environment. Your, your mom got you set up with the church, scouts, um, and so far you've met this person who is married with children, a good leader, uh, seems to be befriending you, making you feel good about yourself, yeah. and a good paternal figure at this point in time absolutely paid attention to me made me feel valued 
um, you know, welcomed me into his house. It was everything I wanted at that age, being a product of a broken home. So, so new dealing with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to go back to a comment you just said. So compartmentalization, you said that. So uh, to me, compartmentalization is different from putting things into a black hole, never to re- revisit them Some again. compartments have open doors and some have closed doors. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. I can respect Okay, I, I yeah. will, I'll go with that. Um, I, I certainly, um, compartmentalization to me means something maybe a little different from your, your perspective. Because um, the whole grooming thing, right? So um, what happened, the way he turned that relationship with me, um, it started off where he wanted to uh, teach me about sexual education. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm probably not going to go any farther than that. Just that he, he took that tone and that was his entrance into um, the the body contact and, and the molestation that happened afterwards. So like he was helping you by giving you it legitimate information. It was absolutely the manipulation yeah. right. and, and his framing behind how that worked out was masterful. He was a master manipulator yeah. and the way he, mm-hmm. he managed that. And we talked about just for a second about the non-contact sexual abuse. Sure. It started with that. I mean, with, with you know exposing you, I guess, to things? Is that what you're saying? Kind of like images or talking about it first? Because that is essentially, if, if, I'm t- if, if I'm a scout leader and I begin to talk to you about sexual mm. things before I've even done anything, I have already started the sexual abuse. Was, that is that how you'd characterize it? Did it feel right. like that? Or was it, how would you characterize that? When I heard you talk about that in the first segment, I did not think that there, in my personal story, there was the the step one that non mm-hmm. non contact mm. abuse. Um, th- there may have been um, like handing me a couple of Playboys to kind of start off that that's conversation. Exactly, and, that and, is and I, I guess technically that does. Well, that's my point. If, if that is abuse, if that's yeah. the case, though, we didn't spend much time there at all. Right. We rapidly right. went into right. later stages. Yeah. But a lot of people think about that and wouldn't call that abuse. I think that's my point to the listeners is oh. that is inappropriate. Right. Oh, sure. That yeah. is typically how it you, 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 you kind of go down that slippery slope. It may be a fast descent down that slope, but it usually starts, they, they typically kind of start pecking away with, is this topic going to be something that's going to be received? And so then they just keep going. For, and then once mm-hmm. they get a, they just keep going. Uh, anyway, that's been, that's my kind of conceptualism conceptualization of it i'm not saying that was your experience of it i, I guess it was okay. um it, it, we rapidly passed that point yeah. um the the uh, uh, what i recall the the aggressive um acceleration um doing more uh, happened pretty rapidly yeah. yeah so i'll tell you what that might be a good place to kind of stop and take a break and then when we come back we'll, we'll pick up with well yeah. where that went and what that was yeah okay Yep, um, and don't forget, you should be going to 30is30.com. You can find out all the details on this story and what's happening now with a parole coming up. Um, 30 years was the sentence, I'm assuming, and so that, that's what this is all about, is trying to get this uh, guy to serve at least the full term. term. At least the full term. We're hanging out with Dr. Mark Westfall. We also have a guest, Jason Lee, here in the studio with us. We're talking about uh, childhood sexual abuse, and Jason was a victim of that. Uh, we talked a little bit about we're going to get into some details there, but we talked about compartmentalization. I'm going to go back to that just for a second. Yeah, yeah. And, and as we've been talking, there, a couple other words have come to mind that might be a better way to describe that. There's a word in psychiatry called suppression and another called repression. Suppression is when you push something down because you don't want to deal with it right now, but you can go back to it and access it. That's what I do. Right. Repression is when your brain puts locks it away and you don't know you're doing it. 
Mm. So there's two different processes of of memory suppression and repression. So that's kind of where the the distinction is. I think that uh, Jason is going to tell us that he had some re- has some repression. Is that I'll probably you tell you? I sign me up for both of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, both of those feel like I certainly dealt with them. Uh, th- things that I put away absolutely and and ha- could not deal with them at the time and had to deal with them later, it, it, which which I did. Others I put away n- never to see them again. Yeah. Uh, and, and I feel a sense of loss for some yeah. of my adolescence. I feel like I've 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 lost major components of my adolescence to that re- repressive yeah. uh, side of things. We were talking about Don Corley and gr- the grooming me and yeah. and ch- changing, making it okay with me yeah. of what we were doing. Right. Uh, which and I want to link that back to compartmentalization because that grooming, uh, he would he would tell me all the time, other people wouldn't understand. So let's just keep this between you and me, kind of thing. And and. Uh, can still hear his voice in my head Ooh. yeah um <laughs> and but but that in itself encouraged the compartmentalization which quite frankly in my 40s i still deal with today um i'm working hard as an example i used to have this huge wall between my work life and my personal life right, right? Um, and i'm working hard to try to integrate and overlap those just a little bit um, because it's okay to do so and that's a meaningful opportunity for me to try to break down some of those walls in my mind that I that I built. And just out of curiosity, so for example, that all right, so here as an adult, the wall between your work and personal life, do you think that's associ- that's associated with what happened to you as an adolescent? Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. So, so tell connect that for me because that's a little hard for me to understand. Yeah. Like why cuz it seems like a lot of people try to build a wall like that. Why why is that related to your experience as a um, my wall's pretty big, uh, first of all, and yeah. and and everything I'm involved with, um, I am instinctually I want to I want to segment and separate that. Okay. Um, I have a hard time integrating people I know from different social experiences together. That's an uncomfortable experience for me. Um, I, w- w- social experiences, uh, volunteer experiences, work experiences, um, I create these little pods of reality and and so i can go into this room or this little pod and deal with that for a while and then i come back i'm an introvert at heart so i need to recharge that and then i kind of go over to a different one depending on what the requirements are Uh, it's hard for me to bring those together Uh, my wife by the way is fantastic at setting up reasons for me uh, to blend those together. Yeah. Um, she so does, she understands that problem. I think I think so. Yeah. yeah. And she's very kind to me about that. So. so basically, you just became a very good wall builder as um, a part of your adolescence, and therefore it's leaked into your adult life in other ways that are not sexual abuse related necessarily. Yeah. You you your adolescence is so important. Right. That's where you learn how to be an adult and interact with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, your your morals, your your code of living, what you stand for, your principles, all of those may have germinated as a child, but but really come to fruition in your adolescence. Solidified. And, yeah. and so I have to now have, re, have repercussions two, three decades later and right. try to refilm, reframe those to be how I think most other adults deal yeah. with their lives gotcha. on a regular basis. And you've put a lot of work into this too, right, Jason, as far as trying to work through some of these um, experiences and become healthy. I mean... Every day is a choice. Yeah. And put a lot of, <laughs> of therapy? 
I've had, um, I couldn't even count how much therapy. I've had some wonderful therapists over the years. Uh, started here in the Homewood area. Um, Boy Scouts of America actually set me up with one of my first therapists. And yeah. uh, that was a great experience. Well, in college, I had one. Uh, in, in Atlanta, I've had yeah. a couple of different ones. It takes a lot of work. It's hard work. Sure. Um, and I just want to reiterate how thankful I am that Jason is joining us and how brave Jason is to come in and talk about this and how healthy Jason is to be able to come in and talk about this because it is a really, really difficult thing and I come across a lot of people who've been traumatized yeah. and Jason is doing an outstanding job of of dealing with what he experienced and, and making something of it. I mean, yeah. he is... He is making meaning out of what happened to him. Yeah, I cannot fathom the high level of bravery and healing that is obviously taking place. I mean, it's hard to comprehend. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, in going back for people, so the, the Boy Scouts, what you just said, um, this was a Boy Scout leader again and someone that was uh, – Involved with the, in youth the youth group. church, yeah, yeah. church. Youth. So had had involvement with both Boy Scouts and church, um, and, and I've come to a point where, I, at the time, to be perfectly honest with you, I had a hard time making a distinction between the the person and the action and the and the molestation, and separating that from the institution, uh, and the uniform sure. war. Right. Uh, I have now come to a place where um, I think bad people happens to good organizations. Right. I think it, it, it's not just the Scouts. It's not just the church any there are bad people out there and they're going to find a way to jimmy the system in whatever way shape or form um and, and so i think i acknowledge that that i don't blame the institutions anymore um and, and i've come to a lesson and if you don't mind me sharing this real please quick, um i often get the question how can, how can i prevent this i now have children i'm listening to your story how how can i prevent this I am no doctor. I'm going to leave that to you, Dr. Westfall. Um, on the other hand, what I will tell you is, is I would tell anybody who will listen to me, do not delegate your parenting to any other person or institution. Yeah. It is our obligation as parents to stay connected, stay involved. That is the number one way you can keep your child safe from any type of abuse or molestation that happened to something like me. Right. Very important. I, you, I think that is an outstanding uh, statement to parents. Um, and, and, you know, you've... You have, that's part of why we're doing this, is to make it a conversation and make, help people understand this is very common. I mean, again, we have a scout leader, and he was a scout leader for many years. He was. And we haven't talked about it, I don't think, but, I mean, this, Jason was not the only victim of this. No, I was going to get to that. I mean, the number so, is staggering. Yeah. yeah, and so we've got someone who's a, a leader in the community, um, and people who are attracted to children go where the children are so i think your comments about sure. bad people find good institutions and organizations is very very true that's what happens but if you're sending your child to where other children congregate then somewhere amongst that congregation among the adults there's someone who is a molester everywhere you go so it's a it's not about like okay how do i find them all you're not going to find them all how do i protect each individual child. And the way to do that, as Jason said, is stay involved. Ask questions. Talk about it. Talk to the kids about it, too. Talk right? to the kids about it. Yes. Communicate. How are things going? If you start seeing some stranger behaviors or withdrawing behaviors, I mean, there's not, and there's not always a sign, by the way. But if you, if trust your gut as a parent, if something doesn't feel right, then go with your gut. Trust your children. And I'm, I'm kind of curious to know on that same note, um, you know, I, I am hopelessly 
addicted to the show Intervention. I love it so much. Um, and it is so common on on Intervention for people who struggle with substance abuse um, to have something like this in their in their past. And it's also not uncommon to hear them articulate a concern, you know, to the people in their family and say, why didn't why didn't you protect me? Um, and I'm curious to know, was that something that's that not to say that people in your life failed in their obligation to protect you or delegated you away, but is that something that's a, that's a struggle when you've, when you've been a victim like this to find yourself looking at well-intended people around you and say, well, why didn't you do something to change this? Keep me honest here, Dr. Westfall. Okay. Um, I think that there are some stages that one goes through as you start to deal with this yeah. um, and get honest about it. And, and one of those stages is I, I can't I can't bring it in here, so I'm, I've got to blame. I've right. got to I've got to I've got to look for other other places to say you failed me or something like that. Right. Um, and I think that probably every victim is going to go through some form of that. Um, if I did that, it was a, a pretty small one. Um, yeah. I recognized that um, I had to try to I try very hard to walk in other people's shoes and try to understand their perspective and some of their motivations. Um, and and um, nobody is going to do this to me on purpose. Yeah. Um, well, one person did, but, right. but certainly yeah, but not outside of the perpetrator, people. though. Yeah, and and so. Um, I I didn't have to deal with that very much. That is a remarkable, and I think to go back to what Mark said, it's amazing to me the level of mental health that you, I mean, that, totally. And it seems like a lot of people would have a hard time having that kind of perspective that you have. So that's yeah. that's impressive. It's very impressive. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. I d- I don't always feel like I'm there, but I, I yeah. appreciate your compliments, and yeah. and I've certainly invested years yeah. in uh, into this. And one thing, just to reiterate, that you've done that I think helps you with this, and I try to help patients who are struggling through, through dealing with any kind of trauma, um, is how do you make it meaningful? Um, and that's what that's what you've done. Instead of looking for someone to blame, because you know bad things happen, and you can put a period at the end of that sentence, and that is just bad things happen. You can look for blame, you can try to find fault, but the reality is bad things happen. How are you going to respond? And that's not something I would ever tell someone early in their trauma treatment, okay? But there's a point in their recovery when you've, you've, you've walked through the pain with them, you've walked through the anger with them, and that needs to be walked through that path. But at some point down the journey, you've got to walk through with them, and it's difficult, but you've got to form a relationship, and you say, okay, now what are you going to do with it? And I don't know if you walked down that journey with a therapist or on your own, but you clearly have come down that path and said, you know what? I'm going to do something with this because you're involved in, I mean, with the Briscoe Project and with 30 is 30, and you're, you've done a lot of interviews and a lot of discussions, and you are educating people about what happened to you, which was very difficult. And I know you put it away for a number of years, and then you had to confront it. Um, and you are helping others through your process of dealing with your pain. And I can't find a better way to ascribe meaning to something that was so traumatic. I have a lot of thoughts about that. Um, thank you. Okay. Uh, what I'm going to tell you is that um, we will not start dealing with this as a society unless we start talking about it. I'm, I'm convicted with that. Uh, one of the things I talk about is, you know, if you picture a house, 
Um, the places where you don't walk in your house very often or the place where you live collects dust. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't happen in the main thoroughfare. It's often in the corners. It's in the dark spaces. And if you really <laughs> want to get rid of the dust, you move your furniture around and you shed some light on it and you start going, making some traffic through there and then the dust won't stick. It's a great, I think, analogy to this particular issue. We cannot continue to not talk about this. We, we as a society, we, we can now talk about drugs. Uh, we can now talk about social issues of equality applied everywhere. They're painful conversations. They're valuable conversations. We've done that. We eventually are going to have to talk about our children and how we deal with them and protect them and teach them how to be better adults mm -hmm. and stay connected with them and all of that. And in that conversation is protecting them. Yeah. So, so that's, 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 that's part of yeah. it. And I know, I was just going to say, from my work uh, in sexual assault prevention, um, you know, in the past, another problem is when people don't talk about these things, that also is, is a way of re-victimizing victims because it sends a message that, oh, that's a taboo. You can't talk about right, that. That means right. that thing that happened to you is a really terrible thing. We can't even talk about it. So there are a lot of, I think, benefits to talking about it. And some of them are directly beneficial to victims as long as people know how to talk about it in a way that's not problematic. Yeah. And we were talking to Jason Lee, um, who is here. He's come all the way from Atlanta to talk to you guys tonight about how he was a victim of childhood sexual abuse. Dr. Mark Westfall is here with us as well. 30is30.com is the website. Go to it. You can read the whole story. Um, also, see the molester and hear an interview with him. Uh, also, there is a petition that you can sign because he is up for parole coming up in April. And will you know if he gets parole, will not serve his full sentence, which Lord knows he should. Okay, so I want to get to kind of where we are now with him and the parole and all that. But but first, I think when people think about this, if they have never been involved or like actually known someone, they'll think like, well, that could not happen to me. Like, I would not let someone touch me, right? But I mean, the way this guy manipulated you and talked to you about it, uh, I mean, it is something that people can become susceptible to. Yeah, it can happen. It, it really starts early when you're malleable. Um, it's one thing to, to say that as an adult. It's another one to be in the shoes of an adolescent where um, you're supposed to, your job is to learn at that point. You go right. to school, you're supposed to learn everywhere. And the way I try to describe it to the, to the person who's pretty rigid about that thinking, it's like if you grew up and, and from the moment you can remember, you were told that the sky is green and the grass is blue. And that's just the way it was. Mm -hmm. uh, and I went through that for um, the formidable years of my life. And that's just what I knew. The sky was green and the grass was blue. Right. Um, and, and so what happened, yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually the, the reverse, right? So right. when so, yeah. I yeah. broke out of things. <laughs> Will, Will um, was never good in science. So yeah. he wanted to make sure he had it right. Yeah, he was trying to. Um, um, wait. But I was taught opposite. That's the yeah. point. Yeah. And everybody else knew that this, it was the opposite. Right. Your, your sky was blue. The grass was green. So I had to do a lot of relearning. And I, right. I, I was programmed in one way and I had to do a lot of relearning. And so um, it's all part of the grooming process. It's all part of of um, making me into the toy that he wanted me to be. Yeah. Um, a, a couple of things here. Uh, so we were talking earlier um, about um, taking something bad and making it good. Um, take the molestation out of it. Um, I think that when you grow up, you're gonna everybody's gonna reach a certain point where you're like, why am I here? What is my purpose in life? That is one of the questions that we deal with with people. Uh, and, and mine's just a little bit more complicated. <laughs> I have the yep. same questions. I just have a really twisted event in, in my past that, that happened, a series of events. 
Uh, and so, yeah, I need to make I need to make something good out of what happened to me. It's got to be worth something. Um, if if not, then why the hell did it happen in the first place? So um, and so that's why one of the reasons why I'm here today. It's to be able to have that conversation. Now, can I um, pivot real quick to totally. 30 is 30, if you don't yes, mind? Yes, absolutely. So um, I, I recognize that we're approaching uh, our time. So um, a couple of things that you've said, thank you very much by talking about my website. The, the bottom line is the guy who molested me and we think 42 other boys over at least a 20 year period. 42. Spanning the country too. Yeah, came from California. We've got a map from California coming and settling here in Birmingham. It gives me chills just talking yeah. about it. Uh, so um, he in 95 was given 30 year sentence. He pled guilty. He pled guilty and it was given a 30 year sentence. Three boys um, were allowed, wanted to, and were allowed to press, press charges and stand up and say, this is what happened. A couple of others wanted to, but statute of limitations wouldn't let them. So that is out, crazy. It is crazy. A statute yeah. of limitations. What is the statute? Uh, so I don't think it exists anymore in Alabama, okay. Okay. which is nice. Um, but back in the '90s, statute of limitations was very popular. It still is popular a lot of places. Okay. And uh, let's don't yeah. get me started right. yeah, there because okay. I'm gonna, good, 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 my yeah. head's going to spin. I thought, right. I thought off. there was a short answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, he was given 30 years, uh, and the way the legal system works is that after a third of his sentence, 10 years he was um, starting to be eligible for parole. And so the maximum amount of time he can be delayed is five years. And so every five years, uh, there's been a large group of people that have strongly wanted to keep him in jail. There are more details on my website. Read my story. Sure. Yeah. I, I was The manipulation happened to me even after he was in jail. He was reaching out and trying to contact Ugh. me, which is crazy uh and that's actually what caused me to create 30 is 30 30 is 30 is not just me it's my story um but i am representing all of corley's other victims uh and it's not just its victims right it's the extended family it's all the people who have to deal with that uh and so if you are moved by this at all if you're listening to this um i i don't ask for money i don't ask for that what i ask for is the greatest gift of all which is your time if you can spend 15 minutes and write a letter and send it to the Alabama Pardons and Parole Board. It doesn't have to be war and peace. It doesn't have to be long mm -hmm. at all. Your letter, your signature, your words make a difference. And that is, I'm convinced, why he has been in jail. Um, I have to believe that after the financial uh, troubles we've had over the last decade or so, governments, states, they have to look at their expenses. Jail s expenses is one of their top ones, and they're looking for reasons to let prisoners go. And it is only our collective voice which will keep him in jail. I've got two quick questions. I don't want to cut you off, though. Um, but So first off, information about how to write that letter and where to send it is on your website? 30s30.com. Okay. There's a section that says how you can help. Great. Uh, please go there. And what's funny is um, Alabama uh, doesn't like emails. They uh, don't click a like button. That's not going to help at all. So what we re if you really want to make an impact, write a letter or okay. print out a petition and get a couple of other people to sign it, but they need that physical document okay. mailed to them. So stamps are going up, uh, I hear, in the next couple of weeks. If you want to go ahead and so do it now, letter. that's great. You'll save a couple <laughs> yeah. of cents. I, I, again, I don't, want your, I don't want your money except for a stamp and an envelope, but the Alabama Pardons and Parole Board really need your physical document mailed to them. Yeah. Uh, and if you can do that in the next month or so, that would be great. They're going to keep a file, uh, and, that, and that's, uh, that's and really And letters helped him keep 
him in there after the tenure was up. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I distinctly remember at one of the parole hearings, they carted out this this cart and it's it just stacks and stacks of papers. Uh, and I believe all of those were letters from the public yeah. encouraging them. So uh, we, we need your help. And, and that is one of my requests to ask there. Um, the other question I wanted to ask, and I want to apologize in advance for what will sound like a really obvious question, but I'm curious to hear how you would articulate the answer to it. Why is it so important to you that he serve his full sentence? Why is it so important to you that he not get out on parole? I'm curious to know how you would articulate that. I have to believe in our justice system. I um. 30 years is not enough. Yeah. If you think about all the different boys that this one person molested and abused, it's not enough. Uh, and if I were an adult and we were going through the sentencing again, I would really push for something harder. But I can't. I can't change the past. So 30 years has to be 30 years. He has to serve his full sentence because I don't get to get out of jail. That's a good he point. He does. Yeah. Uh, and so by damn, he's, he needs to stay in there for as long as possible. So this is not just about protecting other children, which I think has got to oh. be a concern too, but this is also about justice. This is mainly, in, or, or not mainly, but this is very much about justice for you. I gave you a me-centered answer. Sure. Um, and so, yes, it, there's I mean, a lot of justice things. for that. But yeah. um, to be honest with you, uh, on, if you go to my website, you yeah. have a video clip of him saying that there is no cure for well, this and that's what we can get into in another show is yeah. that it is likely to happen very very likely to happen again if he gets out yeah, recidivism rates for this type of crime is pretty high that, that's right and so that's the safest thing and he even kind of he children is to yeah. keep him there yeah. on, on on your website you can listen to the to the interview and I, he implies that i mean i think he knows that and many ped- many pedophiles in jail will tell you don't let me out because I can't control this. And they ask, they're asking for external control. So, you know, <coughs> it's important to understand that, that there's a, you know, a lot going on here. It's not just, it is justice, but it, there's, it's, we have a uh, societal dilemma yeah. in front of us about this. And as we learn more about, uh, you know, aberrant sexual behavior, pedophilia and whatnot, it, it's complicated. Yeah. It really is complicated, and, and you know, I would, I wonder. I mean, I, obviously, you've got a lot of mixed feelings, um, but you know, there's, it's difficult to know. I mean, I'm sure there's still a lot of anger at him, um, but how do you feel about him currently? I don't, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, it's been so. I mean, I would be completely honest with you. It's been so long. I can hear him in my head. I can see him in a video interview that we've got. Um, but I am disconnected enough that there's a lot that's gone into that black hole that we yep, talked about. Yep. Um, I know that I am uh, convicted. Uh, I think is the right word uh, to uh, make sure that he stays in for his full sentence. Yeah. Um, after he gets out, and he will get out, 30 years is a finite time frame, and this is the last parole hearing we think he's going to have. Um, after and he is denied parole, then I have to I have to have an internal conversation and a reclamation with those feelings. Right. Who who am I once the man who abused me is out of jail? Who who am I, and what will I do, and how will I deal with that? I can't commit the energy and attention to those thoughts right now, to yeah. be perfectly honest with right. you. Right, no, that's, that's, um, we kind of had this conversation before, yeah. right. 
I, I will. Uh, I have to. Uh, and I have to do that before he is out of jail. But I think I've got a couple of years to yeah. do that. Right now, I'm pretty laser focused on keeping him in yeah. jail. Yeah. Well, I hope you're a better person than me uh, when that day comes because my mind's kind of. I wanted to ask you this before we go. Um, so, you know, went on during this time from, let's say, about 13 to maybe your senior in high school. Then you left, you went to school, you moved away, you're gone for a while, and then all of a sudden you get a phone call and it says, hey, the Homo police would like to talk to you about this. Was that. Um, a relief or was that terrifying because you kind of thought this is all just done and like you weren't going to think about it again I guess at that point right I wanted to go away and I right. wanted to leave it all behind yeah um, and when I got that phone call uh, I remember absolutely it's in, it's 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 like uh, you think back of traumatic events you know JFK was shot or the sure. Challenger blew up or you know some of those big are. events mm -hmm. that, that, that was a big event for me I picked up the phone and I absolutely distinctly remember that I was going to talk to the police. And so that was a, a pivotal life moment for me. Uh, and when I made that decision, I made that decision and I have to apply that everywhere. I'm kind of all in on that. Yeah. Um, I want to go back kind of real quick. Um, life has to mean something. I had to, I had to do something about this. And so keeping him in jail on 30 is 30 um, in, in doing that, um, I, I widened open to the larger conversation. You know, I'm here to provoke the conversation. We, right. we had talked about that before. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to talk about 30 is 30 in my person. But it's bigger than me. It's bigger than keeping Don Corley in jail, although I certainly want that. Sure. Um, I was able to connect with another organization called One in Six. Their website is oneinsix.org. Uh, they have resources available that are free to anybody. So, um, you know, if you're sitting at home and you're struggling with um, this happened to you and you've never talked about it before, but you're, you, you want to have some lifeline or you want to start doing something about it, One in Six is a great place to go. They've got um, an anonymous chat. If you want to just start chatting with somebody, very non-threatening and want to do that, they have a phone call. You can call and talk to somebody. Uh, there's other resources available on that website. Uh, I'm, I'm really proud of what they do. Uh, and one of their side projects is called the Bristlecombe Project. Uh, and what that core focus is, it's really not focused on the trauma that happened then. It uh, spotlights men today mm -hmm. who are survivors from sexual abuse, trauma, assault. Uh, and who are you today? And so the Bristlecombe Project, it's a series of pictures and the narrative, the story of each individual. Mm. Um, it and it is really good. I, I saw it's so, in it's in Homewood City Hall okay. right now. Yeah, and it people is can go and see that. And really hear. well done. Yeah, it, and it. I mean, keep going. It, it focuses on the person. Yeah, uh, and oh, it's fantastically written, and it, they're great images uh, of of the did, of the men who've who've spoken for it. So did you write going. your narrative for that, or uh, so? Well, well, my life wrote my narrative. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's a really <laughs> neat. A neat process. Yeah. Um, what happened is any any man who participates in that, it's a volunteer, uh, you know. And so I raised sure. my hand, and um, there is one person in particular who is just an amazing human being. Well, came out to me, spent about five hours with me, and interviewed me, and talked to me, and took yeah. pictures of me, and really just embraced me and my story and through that he wrote that my story that's on my poster yeah. uh, and I was uh, uh, encouraged to contribute to that and mold it and be comfortable with it and not, nothing that is up there is not without my permission they're, they're very respectful for, for my feelings and everybody else's feelings yeah, yeah. but um, it's a great opportunity to see um, that 
trauma can happen and yet we still keep going. Right. And it's also important to note that this isn't isolated, right? This doesn't happen uh, in small pockets. This happens more frequently than we yeah. want to. So if you want other people's story, if you want validation to know that it's not just you that it happened to, this is a great opportunity. Homewood City Hall, anytime the building's open, it's in the first floor atrium. Uh, and I'm a little biased, I admit it, but it's a very powerful experience. Uh, it sounds it's like powerful. it. Just go in. And check it out. Good on Homewood for doing this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good on the Homewood Star for printing the story. Good on Dr. Westfall for following up. Um, you know, good on you for doing 30is30.com. I've tweeted that link out everywhere. So Lockman Brothers, myself, Birmingham Mountain Radio. Uh, it's, on, it's on my Facebook page. You can go to it there. Um, man, we've got a lot of response. A lot of people coming in. And I'll just read a couple of things really quick. Apparently at one point you said, who am I? This person says, uh, tell him he's a badass, a certified <laughs> rock solid badass, uh, and that you'll be the same badass when that piece of garbage gets out of jail. And But there are a lot of people that just said, hey, please tell him thank you so much for coming on and telling the story. Yeah. Um, you know, people amazed by your courage. So people writing in on Twitter um, and everywhere else. So yeah, Jason, thank you so much, man. Thank you very much. Yep, and I encourage people, do it. Go to 30is30.com, read the story, it's important especially if you have children. I think it's really important. One of the big things that I'm taking from this is that I'm going to talk more to my children about it um, and about, hey, awesome. you know, mm -hmm. what? how do you handle these situations? And what if someone tries to do this? Or how do you, what do you say to that person? And there, just real quick, there are some great resources on 30is30.com on, uh, that are links to other sites that have uh, prevention techniques for organizations uh, to put in yeah. place like uh, churches and like churches mm -hmm. and scout yeah. groups and for individuals to, to, to um signs of possible abuse in your children or signs yeah. of possible abusers walk lurking around it, there's some really good connections there great i mean it's he's made it simple for you just great. go to jason's website link on some of those things and you'll learn a lot in about half an hour you can learn pretty much what you need to know yeah and, and if you want to uh, share this with other people this uh, these interviews you can go to let's think on it anywhere you find podcasts itunes or wherever else uh, how long usually a couple of days before those go up yeah it'll be up by this weekend yeah so by the weekend this will be up you can link to all your friends whoever you think this may be important to share with and let them let them hear jason's story so uh dr mark westfall thank you so much thank you guys absolutely jason lee thank you so much thank you safe travels back to atlanta you bet you can, I'll give you a couple of podcasts you can listen to. I One of them is called to Let's it. Think On It. I'll tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> to listen to Dr. Mark Westfall live, check out O Brother Radio on Birmingham Mountain Radio, 107.3 FM in Birmingham, 97.5 in Tuscaloosa, at bhammountainradio.com, or on the free BMR app. Join in with your questions and comments on Twitter at Lockamy Brothers. <laughs>